Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Y'all sound alive and well and happy. Uh, My name is Alvin. For those of you who are here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor at the church and glad you're with us today. Uh, Christmas is my favorite time of year. Um, It's one of the couple times that everybody, whether they are Christian or not, secular, sacred, like everybody's just singing about Jesus and glorifying his name. Um, And it's as a Christian, that's a win for us. Any time that Jesus' name could be talked about and praised, then it's good. And I just love this time for that reason. I want to thank uh, everyone who's serving today, who helps make Nashville life happen on Sundays, the production team and our kids team downstairs and our greeters and all the guys in the parking lot. And special thanks to the music team. I've never heard Jesus is the reason carried by three people. That's usually a choir. and all, y'all, That was awesome. I'm going to say that first service. That was good. Really good. Um, and of course... Our founding pastor, Pastor Cece, gracing us with her awesome voice. I was trying to think of something, didn't have anything. Um, Let's get into the scripture. I'm excited for the word today. Before we do it here at Nashville Life, we like to prepare ourselves for hearing the word of God. We believe it's more than just a book. This is actually a living word from God himself, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and your life. Uh, so it's a big deal. So let's, let's prepare ourselves and just repeat these words after me. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Um, As Christians, as the body of Christ, uh, if that's what you uh, are, if you identify as a Christian, if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, it's it's very important that we set the tone for the rest of the world on how to worship a king, how to treat Jesus as king. Um, Christmas, obviously, there's a lot of nativity scenes and, you know, it's the wonderful baby, you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloth, or whatever. And uh, it's very important that we understand we are not just celebrating the birth of a baby, but we are celebrating the birth of a king. This is a king, and not only a king, but, but if you're a Christian, it's, it's our king, it's your king. And uh, I really want to encourage us on how to, how to treat Jesus as the king that he is, and how to humble ourselves and and uh, embrace him as uh, Lord and, and as king. I don't think that this uh, comes naturally for us. It's something that we really need help from God. We need help from the word of God to do that. And I want to offer that help today. And I just pray that, that it, it resonates with you. But my first scripture today on how to really see and treat Jesus as king and as Lord of your life. It's in Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. This is, by the way, in case you care or or didn't know, uh, it's my favorite passage of scripture. Um, It's been like that for about 10 years now. I love this passage. 
Um, and it always ministers to me, and I pray it ministers to you. Verse 7 of Jeremiah 17 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. So we're already getting insight right there. We are supposed to, we are supposed to treat the Lord with trust. Trust is a form of treatment. I can ignore you. I can hate you. I can love you. I can trust you. And to trust is something that we are called to do to the Lord. We are called to give our trust to him, to trust him, his capability, to trust his power, to trust his compassion, to trust his character, to trust his, 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 his love, to trust his word in every area of our lives. And the Bible says that any person who does that is blessed. They are blessed. Uh, when it comes to the word Lord, Lord's another word for authority. It's another word for covering. It's a king. It's a leader in your life. And we are called to trust Jesus as those things. I mentioned before that, that it's difficult for us. We have a little bit of a disadvantage as, as modern-day Americans. We don't have a lot of earthly parallels on how to have a king and how to treat a king. You know, we, that's not something that is a part of our normal social lives. Jesus used to, in his teachings, if you'll see in his parables, he would, he would leverage uh, social norms and concepts that everybody understood naturally, and he would uh, kind of piggyback off of our understanding of natural things and use those concepts to help us understand spiritual things. So that's why you often heard him talking about uh, agriculture, and, and he was using different things in the natural and saying, okay, they understand this, so let me use their understanding of this to help them understand this. And the reason why I say that we're at a disadvantage because there's, a not, there's not a lot of social uh, help in our natural lives that, that, that support our ability to understand or um, embrace lordship or, or kingship or, or sovereign authority or absolute authority. That's, that's becoming more and more foreign the more modern we get in, in, in our age. Uh, this generation... By and large, I'm generalizing, not everybody, but by and large, this generation is less obedient to their parents. Uh, this generation is, is less honoring of governing officials, less trusting of authority in general. Uh, even roles like doctors and policemen are starting to carry less weight in, in the average person of our generation. Um, I was watching, me and my wife just finished The Crown, that show, and it starts in the 40s all the way to modern day, and I was noticing that with every decade, the relevance and the respect of the monarchy started to go down every decade to the point to where once they hit the 80s and 90s, there was just a lot of controversy of why do we have a monarchy? Why do we have the royal family? And we're seeing, we're seeing that Across the world, just the idea of sovereign a sovereign voice in your life and an absolute authority in your life is becoming harder and harder to take to. And the Bible foretells this. It says that as time goes by, 
Uh, Paul describes it as difficult times. And I want to read it really quickly just so you can understand kind of the challenge that we are, are facing when it comes to accepting Jesus as the king of our lives and as the Lord of our lives. This is how Paul put it in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty." For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. We are in these difficult times that Paul prophesied about. But notice that he doesn't say times of impossibility. He's not saying we're in impossible times. He says we're in difficult times, which means there's hope. He's not saying it's impossible for us to embrace Jesus as king and as Lord, but he says that we're in a time where it is more difficult because of where we've become socially or where we've, uh, I guess, declined to socially. So if we want to not only understand kingship and lordship, but embrace it and practice it, and exemplify it, we're going to have to try, guys. I'd be lying to you if I told you it wasn't going to take effort. We're at a time where we're going to have to try even harder than generations past, just because where we are socially, where we are as a people, the way we think as a people, where the common opinion has sort of found itself. We, if we want to embrace Jesus as king, and practice him being king over our lives, we're going to have to try. And thank God for help. Thank God for help because as hard as we try, without the help of God, without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the help of fasting and prayer, without the help of Scripture, we can't do it. So thank God that we have the Scripture. And I want to go back to it. Jeremiah chapter 17 where I left off, the Bible says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. So we've covered that we should trust in the Lord, and there's some benefits that come with placing our trust in our king, who is Jesus. Verse 8 says, for he, the person who trusts in the Lord, shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river. So he's describing the person who trusts in the Lord is having a, a water source that, that is uh, connected to a flow of, 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 of water, a flow of supply, a, 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 a constant hydration source that causes that tree to receive all that it needs to grow, to thrive, to be healthy. When you think of water, there's a lot of benefits that come with water. Um, naturally speaking, as a natural person, when you drink water, it, the hydration, it, it, it blesses your life. It enhances your life. And I just have 
a few benefits. When I was thinking of the benefits that we receive naturally with hydration, I couldn't help but see that a lot of it applies spiritually as well. So I'm just going to list about nine benefits that come with, with being well hydrated and having water uh, through your life and in your life. It improves your brain or your thought life. It helps remove waste, which is important. It gives energy. It removes heavy burdens, that extra weight that you carry. It makes it easier to move your limbs and your joints. It makes you more agile. It reduces stress. Um, it heals your heart. It actually does wonders for your heart. It detoxifies. It gets rid of all of the toxins that, that, that are bad for your life and bad for you. And then it refreshes. And those are really just the internal benefits. Externally, water cleanses. Water cools down. And water soothes. So we see that according to Jeremiah 17, when you place your trust in the Lord, it, it brings water into your life. And you get to reap the benefits of, of hydration and, and experience the blessing internally but also externally as well. It cleanses your life. It refreshes your life. It cools you down from the heat. And it soothes. And that's just a part of the benefits. We have more in this passage. Verse 8 goes on to say, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So this Bible is saying that a man who trusts in the Lord will be like a tree that even if there's a total drought, which means no rain is falling from the sky, this tree, because of their root source, is able to still not only live, but have bright green leaves and produce fruit, delicious fruit, even though there's no rain in sight, which to me shows that when you trust in Jesus and when you make him your king, even if all of your natural resources and all the natural things that you're used to supporting your life go away, you will be the one person or you will be of the people that are not anxious about it because you have a different source and because you understand that the way that I live is from my king. My king provides all I need. So even if the things that I'm, I was told by the world to depend on fail me, I don't have to fear. So the next benefit next to hydration and water that Jeremiah 17 says we receive when we trust in the king is freedom from fear. The things that make other people afraid will not make the person afraid whose trust is in the Lord. The things that used to uh, make you anxious and, 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 and really work you up will not anymore the more you build your trust in the Lord. Now, whenever I talk about, you know, fear, fear is a sensitive subject. A lot of people have I've dealt with it, and a lot of people can feel condemned and feel bad about it. And a common question that comes up whenever we talk about, you know, if you trust in the Lord, you know, he takes away fear is something like this. This is what goes through the head of some people, and I want to clear it up just in case it's going through your head right now. And that is, I still have fear. Does that mean Jesus isn't Lord of my life? 
common question whenever we talk on fear in church. And the answer is, no, that does not mean that Jesus is not the Lord of your life. But what it means is that his lordship hasn't had its full effect in your life yet. You are still developing this concept of him being your caretaker, of him being your protector, of him being your provider. And depending on the person, it takes time for that to fully develop and for his lordship to have its full effect in your life, which means you just got to keep going. You got to keep practicing. You have to keep setting him as Lord. You have to keep praising him as Lord and, and confirming that he is your covering, that he is your protector, that he is your provider, that he is your healer. And the more you affirm and confirm this truth, I believe the more the effects of his lordship will manifest in your life. First John uh, chapter 4 says this in verse 18. Verse 18 of 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear, the Bible says, involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. It does not say he who fears is not loved. But the Bible says that if you are still finding yourself in fear, it means that the love that God has for you hasn't been perfected in your life. It hasn't matured in your life to where you're receiving it and you're believing it. Because it's one thing for God to love you. It's another thing for you to actually believe it. It's one thing for God to have everything under control. It's a total other thing for you to believe that. So the Bible says if we are in fear, that means that the revelation and the truth of God's love hasn't fully manifested in your heart, which means you just got to keep going. It doesn't mean you're a lost cause. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It means that you still are having trouble believing that he does and understanding the benefits of com that come with his love. So for anyone who's in that place, don't stop. Don't stop trying. Don't stop practicing receiving the love of God and allowing that love to retain in your life. Next part, verse 9. Verse 9 kind of uh, gets personal, so get ready. Uh, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then it says, it asks a question, who can know it? Who can know the heart? It's so deceptive, which means it's good at making you think that it's good even if it's not, or making you think that it's not even when it is. Like it's good at tricking us. The heart is, is good at tricking the person who's carrying the heart. There is nothing more deceitful, according to the scripture, than your own heart. Most of us are led astray the most by our own hearts. I want to take it a step further. The devil is less of a threat to you and me than our hearts. And the reason why is because unlike the devil, our hearts are things that we trust. We are trained by the world to not only trust our hearts, but some of us actually think it's in the scriptures to follow our hearts. 
Christians quote that more than we quote actual scriptures. We really have glorified our hearts as being something that is innately right and pure and holy. And the Bible is saying that it's actually desperately wicked. The reason why I say the devil actually is less of a threat is because most of us have reached a level of common sense that if the, if the devil was in the room, you would know that he's probably not supposed to be there. If the devil was in your car, you would know he's supposed to be out of my car. Something is not right about me being this close to the devil. So we have less of a tolerance when the devil shows himself in our lives. But when, our, well, when it comes to our hearts, it's... We have a higher tolerance for our heart. We have our guards are down towards our heart. It's more welcomed into our lives. Therefore, it has more leeway to accomplish more bad in your life than other things because it's something that we have been taught and trained to trust and assume the best about. I've got news for you. When you become a Christian, you invite Jesus into your heart. And that's another reason why we can get confused because we ask Jesus into our heart. So how can our heart be in bad shape if, if Jesus is living in there? Jesus might live in our hearts, but Jesus is not our heart. Let me give you another example. God lives in this house Nashville life, this building is the house of the Lord, but this house is not the Lord. God dwells in this house, but this building is not God. Same with water. When we drink a cup of water, it's a figure of speech. We're not drinking the cup. We're drinking what's in the cup. So water is in our cup, but I don't think any of us are, are drinking the porcelain mugs that our water is in. So it's it's one thing to be in something, and the other one is the container. Our heart is the container for Jesus, but it's not Jesus. Let me take it a step further with verse 10. The Bible says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. So this is the way it works. You become a Christian. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, and he comes into your heart, and he, he, he makes his home in your heart. But what he, when he gets into your heart, then, according to Jeremiah, he starts searching your heart. He starts examining your heart. He starts inspecting your heart. He lives in it, and while he is in there, he's constantly searching it and examining it. And the cool thing about it, he's not like the inspector that's just making check marks and keeping it to himself and going, hmm, interesting, hmm, hmm, interesting, and, like, storing it up to use it against you. On the opposite, Jesus is searching your heart and everything that he finds, he then lets you know about it so that you aren't in the dark. So what happens is he goes, oh man, I see this. And then by his spirit, he lets you know what he's finding so that you don't go a day thinking that certain things are in your heart when they actually are. And the beauty of this is without this inspector, without this searcher in our hearts, then we are easily deceived thinking that we're making pure-hearted decisions when they're really laced with other stuff. 
I can't tell you how many times a person is just, I know my intentions are good. We're so quick to say our intentions are good. But then it takes Jesus, who's actually in our heart, searching it 24-7, that goes, oh, Alvin, actually, you've got some resentment from something that happened in the eighth grade, and that resentment is still laced in the decisions that you're making. Oh, Alan, there's still some unforgiveness towards your dad, and that decision that you said was spirit-led was actually to get back at your dad. Oh, Alvin, there's, there's, some, there's some perversion here. So that, so that godly relationship that you think is your brother in Christ, that's, there's actually some perversion that's going to make this relationship go south. It's Jesus that's searching our heart and saving us from thinking that we're making spirit-led, pure motive, innocent decisions. When really there's some hidden things that only he can find that only he cares enough about to search and let you know. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. By the way, the word of God is another word for Jesus. He is the living word. Jesus is God's word. The word of God is living, the Bible says, and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It takes the Lord and Savior to judge your intentions. We are not qualified to judge our intentions as much as we all think that we are. We all have mistakenly think, thought that we are qualified to determine and judge our intentions. And how is it that all of us judge that it's good? <laughs> have you noticed that? The judgment is always, the verdict is always, when you're judging your own intentions, it's always, it's good. I meant this. I meant, okay, well then, then maybe you aren't the rightful judge of your intentions. And I'm actually going to knock off that maybe. You're not the rightful judge of your intentions. It takes the word of God. It takes your Lord and Savior to actually get in your heart and start doing a deep search in those things and letting you know things you didn't even know about. Microscopic things that you can't see with your fleshly eyes, that you can't feel with your emotions. There are hidden things deep within your heart that it takes the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to search and bring to your attention. And that's good news if you want to know. Only those who actually want to know the conditions of their heart see this as an asset. If you still want to live slumber, if you still want to live numb, if you still want to live ignorant, then Jesus is not uh, as appreciated for those. But for those who want to know, those who echo that David scripture, search my heart, God, I want to know. If I'm operating in something crazy and don't know about it, I want you to tell me. If that's you, then Jesus, it's like, hallelujah, I need, this is help. Let's keep going, almost done. Verse 10 through 11 of Jeremiah 17. Y'all still with me? Okay. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings, as a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by right. 
It will be, sorry, it will leave him in the midst of his days, and at the end, at his end, he will be a fool. At his end, he will be a fool. I want to let you guys know something about this King Jesus. He is all about preparing you for the end. Everybody here has an end. Everybody has an end, and that end is going to be a very uh, relevatory, exposing day. And Jesus wants to make sure that everyone here is prepared for your own end. It is a blessing to have your heart searched and the condition of what's happening behind the curtain of your life, to find out what's happening under the hood of your life. Because at the end, guys, at your end, at everybody's individual end, including mine, everything that is surface will be washed away. Everything that you present when you leave your house to people, regardless of what's happening on the inside, all of that stuff will be completely done away with. And then on top of that, everything that is underneath Everything that is happening behind closed doors will be exposed. There's basically going to be a switch. So everything that's up front now is going to go to the back seat, and everything that's in the back is going to come to the front. At your end, there's going to be an instant switch. And for some of you guys, that is terrifying. And, and Jesus is saying, I don't want it to be terrifying for you. So let me... Get inside your heart now. Let me start getting those things right now so when your hidden life gets on front street for everyone to see, it's not a shameful day for you. There will be no wigs. There will be no toupees. No makeup, no concealer, no perfume, no cologne, no filters, no fronts, no closets. No doors, no walls. Everything that we have in this life to protect and hide ourselves from what's really happening is going to be washed away. And everything that's hiding behind the closet, behind the makeup, behind the covering is going to be up front. And it's going to be that. That's going to be what determines your life, your future. Not what you present, what's behind underneath the hood, underneath the bed, tucked behind for no one to see. It's that person. It's that condition that's going to determine your future. So Jesus says, please, let me get, allow me to get in there. Allow me to cover it with my blood. Allow me to restore it. Allow me to fix and mold and shape it so that when that end comes, you're at peace. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only person that can prepare you for that day. He's the only one that can clean up the hidden parts. The hidden parts that you don't have to show today. We don't have to show that today. We can continue showing what we want to show. But there's going to come a day where we're not going to have that control anymore. We're not going to have a say-so on what people see that we have. We have that choice today. That choice won't always be. So the wise person gets it right now before they have to show it. We're still in the day and age where you can voluntarily show it to the Lord. Take advantage of this time of choice.
and voluntarily open your heart to Jesus. Voluntarily give him room. Prepare him room in your heart. Let him be king of the hidden places. Because that's the only part that's going to matter at the end, y'all. The only parts that will matter are the current hidden places of your life. Voluntarily invite Jesus into that place. Let him heal. Let him reign. Let him soothe. Let him reconcile. Let him restore. Let him transform. Last verse, verse 12. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Our sanctuary represents our safety. That's our refuge. That's our escape. That's our place of comfort. That's our place where we can truly be ourselves. That's the place, that sanctuary. And the Bible says that our sanctuary should be the place where he reigns. A lot of us have different, everyone has a sanctuary. Everybody has a sanctuary in the world. Everyone has that safe place, that comfort place. For some of us, it's the bottle. That bottle is that comfort. When I want to just forget about everything and just be myself, I drink. For some others, it's, it's entertainment. That's, that's your refuge. For some people, it's sex. That's your refuge. That's how I, that's how, that's how I just numb everything. Everyone has a sanctuary. Everyone has a place of solace, of refuge, of escape from all the pain, from all the noise, from all the trauma. Everybody has their own sanctuary. And Jeremiah 17, 12 says, our sanctuary, God is inviting for us, our sanctuary to be the place where he reigns. His throne, let that be your refuge. Let his authority be your, your escape. Let, let, let his lordship be the place where you can really just breathe and, and, and inhale and exhale. Make your home under his lordship. Make your safety, make your comfort under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't read the whole thing, but Psalms 91, I encourage you to read the whole thing. But the first two, first verse says, he who dwells, which means it's their home, it's their, it's their go-to. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The key word is under. That's the preposition that most of us fight. It doesn't say beside the shadow of the Almighty. It definitely doesn't say over the shadow of the Almighty. It says under. And if you and me, modern day American people, if we could try to fight all the social cues that we have learned and that we see when we leave these four walls, these, these walls, I should say, and ch choose to submit ourselves under the sovereign authority, the sovereign voice, the sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ, Jeremiah 17 and several other scriptures in the Bible says that your life will be extremely blessed, not just in this life, but the life to come. And as, as a pastor, as a friend, however you want to see me today, I am offering you
a sanctuary where Jesus reigns over your life as king and as Lord. But it's a voluntary, voluntary submission. He's not going to force you into submission. He won't bully you. He's not going to intimidate you into submission. If anyone who submits to his lordship, we have to voluntarily choose to humble ourselves under him. It's the best decision you can ever make. It's not easy because the pride has to die. The fear eventually has to die. The self-will has to die. The self-governance has to die. And you have to entrust your entire being, past, present, and future, to someone else who you can't see. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not easy, but it's possible. It's not easy, but it's your choice. And I pray you make that choice today. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Christmas. God, I thank you for a time where we celebrate your birth, the birth of the King of Kings, the birth of the Lord of Lords. Jesus, on behalf of this room and those watching online, God, and for everybody who, who shares my sentiment, God, I, I, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves voluntarily into submission and reverence and surrender to your lordship your sovereignty, your covering, your authority. We acknowledge you as not just king of the world, but king of our lives, king of our hearts. Lord, we need you to live inside of our hearts. We invite you into our hearts so that you can begin to search our hearts and reveal to us things that we may have forgotten were there or even never knew was there. Lord, we give you full permission to enter our lives, to search the personal parts of our lives, to make us right with you on the, from the inside out. God, we allow you to work from the inside out because we know what's happening underneath is your first priority. That's what you care about. That's where you want to touch. That's what you want. That's where you want to heal. So for everybody who wants that, God, help us today to make you king. And many of us, we've never had a king before, God. We've never called somebody Lord before. We've We've never, we've never had that level of authority over our lives, God, so we need you to help us. Help us by your spirit. Help us with your word. Help us with other saints that can show us how, how to live with you as Lord and King of our lives. Help us in Jesus' name, God. Amen. I want to ask us to stand. I want to ask for the prayer team to get in position. We're about to dismiss, but before we do, 
I want to give everybody the, the, the choice to humble yourself and make Jesus king of your life, Lord of your life, to trust him with your life, to let him in the hidden parts that you've never let anybody in before. You can do that through this prayer today. And it's just the beginning. The Lord will walk with you. He will show you how to follow him. He will show you how to worship him. He will show you how to live with him as king of your life. But it starts with your choice to make him king. So repeat after me if you can. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. And now let's offer a, a praise worthy of a king. Whether it's a clap, it's a hallelujah, it's a woo something. Offer your best to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the Everlasting Father, to the Wonderful Counselor. Thank you, Jesus. If you said yes to him, if you made him king today, if you rededicated your life and made him king, refresh that lordship in your life, congratulations. My prayer is that this Christmas you will worship him as king of your life and that you will experience all of the benefits that come with it. Um, this team is here to pray for anybody who needs prayer. They love God. They love you. If you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate on your way out. Tell them what you need prayer for, and they will, they will serve you in prayer, uh, and we're here for you. We love to do it. It's our privilege. Please don't hesitate. If you want to get more connected to the church, you can get out your phone and text the word BELONG to 77411. Real simple way to connect with us. We would love to get back with you and just keep you up on what's happening in our church if you're interested. Um, and then lastly, if you want to give, uh, you can give online or our finance team is going to be behind us. If you want to give a physical offering in the lobby, we also have a box in the back on your way out if you exit that way. We're back here tonight, y'all. So if you want to come back, we're here at 7 o'clock. Completely different uh, message and and worship and we're going to have a candlelight service so invite your friends and family if you don't have plans we love to see you at seven o'clock otherwise i'll see y'all new year's eve lord willing next sunday have a great christmas i love you